When there are things in our present that are not understandable, there are answers from our past. There are clues. When we face those things, when we are not reliving the past, when we are not getting stuck in it, we are growing from it. So the past, the past can give context. It can bring understanding. And right now, right now, we need understanding. So I am about to lay some understanding on you about LGBTQ pride, where it started, how it started. Let's get checked. Everything changes. Get ready. It's time for the Sheck Check podcast, inspiring to normalize the way we talk about the way we think, feel, and behave with your host, Erez Sheck. The 1960s and, of course, for decades beforehand, was the most suppressing of times for gays, lesbians, bisexuals, and transgender people. In New York City alone, engaging in gay behavior in public, holding hands, kissing, dancing with someone of the same sex. If you were wearing less than three gender-appropriate articles of clothing, you would be arrested. Arrested. Essentially, if you were openly gay or trans, it was illegal to simply exist. Bars and clubs would be denied a liquor license or fined if they served to what was deemed a quote-unquote disorderly conduct. Yes, being gay was deemed as disorderly. It's kind of ridiculous because we as a people are very well put together. In order for many to find safe spaces, places where they could live out loud if they were hiding in another identity, or to love a little more loudly than they could out on the streets for fear of being jailed, beaten, or killed. They had to go underground, so to speak. So, in a shocking plot twist, mafia families got involved. Yeah, you heard me. Crime families. For instance, the Stonewall Inn in Greenwich Village in New York City was run by the Genovese crime family. So the Genovese crime family, they saw an opportunity here to make money with the LGBTQ community. And when I say with, I don't mean like, hey, everyone, let's make some money together. I mean, they used the fact that the LGBTQ community needed a safe space where they could drink, dance, and express themselves. You know, like other humans were doing. So I guess I should have actually said made money off the LGBTQ community. In 1966, they purchased the Stonewall Inn. They had already had a relationship with the New York City Police 6th Precinct. You know, like one of those super healthy relationships. Totally ethical, you know, filled with lots of bribes. And it was no different with the Stonewall Inn. There were bribes set in place so that they would get tipped off when there would be a raid so they could hide the alcohol. To the patrons, though, they charged a relatively low entry fee, becoming a place for married men on the DL, bisexuals, drag queens, lesbians, gay men, homeless teenagers, one of the only places you could actually dance. Now, the raids were often paddy wagons, arrests, but the thing is, is it became a way of life for my LGBTQ community back then. Even if it was only for a few hours of living more freely, loving more freely, it was worth it. At some point, though, at some point, you got to question. You have to question why, though. Why is this my way of life? And I don't mean being gay, lesbian, trans, or bi as a way of life, because that's actually just you being you. 
I'm talking about being oppressed as a way of life. June 28th, 1969. The raid started as they usually did. Paddy wagons outside the Stonewall Inn on Christopher Street. Firemen and police officers ready to haul people away. They were armed with a warrant. Police officers entered the club, roughed up patrons, arresting people, including employees and people violating the state's gender-appropriate clothing laws. Female officers would actually take suspected cross-dressing patrons into the bathroom to check their sex. This was the night they decided it was enough. Decades and years of constant police harassment and discrimination. The people who had made it out, who found safety at the Stonewall Inn, the neighborhood residents, they stood outside. Instead of running away as they had been taught to do, told to do, gotten used to doing, they stayed right there. It's reported that an officer hit a lesbian over the head as he forced her into a paddy wagon. That was the final straw for many. Soon, the crowd started throwing pennies, bottles, stones, and other objects at the police. Police, a few prisoners of theirs, and a writer from the Village Voice barricaded themselves in the bar. And as the mob was trying to reach the barricade, the bar was set on fire. Now, the fire department and the riot squad were eventually able to put out the flames and rescue those inside Stonewall. However, protests involving thousands of people continued in that area for five more days. The ones at the front of those lines fighting for that space, our space, were drag queens and trans women of color. It was time to be seen. It was time to be heard. It was time to take up our space. And as so many had failed to do for the LGBTQ community, we were actually serving and protecting. Serving and protecting our safe space. Serving and protecting ourselves. Serving and protecting our community. It was the beginning of what is called the modern gay rights movement. Really though, at its base, it is just a human right to be who you are openly, to have the same rights as all humans. It goes so far beyond the rights to certain possessions we debate over, simply because it's a right to live, love, and be seen. Not a privilege, a right. A year later, in June 1970, the first ever gay pride parade took place on the same street as the Stonewall Inn, walking with pride because we were being seen. We were being heard. We were being acknowledged as warriors who had to fight for that right, that right to exist. So I feel I got very lucky for my very first pride after I came out. My college was about a three hour drive from New York City. Two beautiful friends of mine decided that we would take that drive, celebrate, experience pride. And somehow, and I don't even know how it happened, we were asked if we would want to help out hand flyers for the play The Laramie Project, a play that had taken hundreds of interviews to tell the story of the murder of Matthew Shepard and its aftermath on their town. Matthew was a gay University of Wyoming student. He was beaten, tortured, and left to die on a fence near Laramie, Wyoming. He was lured out of a bar by two heterosexual men who were later charged with first-degree murder bringing out a little more media attention to hate crimes against the LGBTQ community. 
handing out flyers kind of actually turned into us walking with the theater company. So my very first Pride Parade, I got to walk. I got to walk down the streets of New York with Pride, the same streets it all started on. Now, in years after that, I actually got to walk in a lot of Pride Parades. When I had first moved to Chicago, actually, uh, the first play that I was doing there was LGBTQ themed, and it was during Pride. So literally in my contract, it was like, you walk in, you walk in with us in Pride. And for a few years after, I did the same thing with that theater company. It was amazing to walk every single year, amazing. To see so many people who were watching, enjoying, celebrating with us. And whatever their reason was for actually being there, maybe they were just trying to have a good time, trying to party. Maybe it was just to watch the incredible floats and the spectacle. To me though, it just felt like support. And then at the end of every Pride Parade route I got to walk on, we faced the same thing. Protesters holding signs that we would burn in hell, yelling at us that we would burn in hell, that we are sinners, that we are nothing, that God will smite us. The signs, the yelling on their megaphones. It's hard, you know, it's hard because you have just walked all this way with pride, feeling support, spreading love, spreading strength. You know, at some point we started laughing it off, laughing off our discomfort. Because like deep down, deep down we knew that we, we were born this way. And those beliefs, those beliefs they were shouting, those beliefs were taught that way. Never confuse human nature with beliefs. Human nature holds a fixed place within us. And beliefs, beliefs have this ability to change and to shift. They only look static and fixed if we are holding onto them. But the thing is, is time, Time doesn't allow us to hold on to those beliefs in a healthy way. Unhealthy towards ourselves, and of course, that is going to extend to the world outside of us. That's part of the point though, you know, because I see the talk out in this world. I see what people say on social media. I see people confuse us celebrating our history, celebrating our existence as a threat to them which is sad because what we're doing is the opposite of threat. It's love. However, that concept of threat, it's born out of some sort of entitlement. Growing up, what I saw out in this world, in the movies, on TV, in music, out on the streets, was representation of one kind of love, of one kind of relationship between a man and a woman. Not because that is what is quote unquote normal, but because that is what has been accepted as a belief of normal. I mean, come on, gay men or women? That's not invented out of thin air. We are not Glinda in The Wizard of Oz. We don't just pop up from a bubble in the middle of the air. We have always existed. It's just that assumed heterosexuality is what people got comfortable with. Now, don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. I have nothing against heterosexuals. Some of my closest friends are heterosexuals. Except we live in a world where we will automatically pair up a young boy with a young girl, or a young girl and a young boy. Those are the only perceived options. That's like totally not a limited mindset at all. And totally also not damaging to do to a five or six year old. Just to be clear, that was sarcasm. Gotta be clear with these things. Gotta be clear. 
You see and you hear the whispers and giggles when two men are holding hands or kissing or just being close to one another. You know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like teenage boys when maybe someone says a curse word on TV or they see a boob poke out in a movie. Except the whispers and giggles are from adult men and women, which actually only teaches those reactions and beliefs to the kids. When a daughter brings home a boyfriend to meet the parents, the only questioning that takes place is what the boy's intents are with the daughter. What does he do? What is he studying? When someone comes out as gay or lesbian or trans, you are asked, are you sure? Or how can you know that? When I actually came out, someone said to me, well, how can you know that if you've never had sex with a girl? So I asked her, how could you know you're not a lesbian? You've never had sex with a girl. These are questions that are fueled with misunderstanding and on some level end up being shaming. So what existed in my world and in many people's worlds was what some would call straight pride. It's what fuels that inner conflict. And it is what fueled the conflict for the heroes that stood their ground at Stonewall Inn. That conflict is not worth it when really we can all stand together simply by accepting our human nature. Who we are attracted to and who we love might not be the same. Being a human is. The thing about any people or group of people that are oppressed, who have been condemned by these learned beliefs, we rise up. We rise up not to take over. We rise up not to convert people to how or who we love. We rise up not to change who or how you love. We rise up to be seen. We rise to be acknowledged as human beings. We rise to walk with everyone in this universal space we all live in. That is a right we all have an understanding of. Many of us have just had to fight more for it than others. Just a little perspective this week on the Shek Check. Thank you so much for listening. This week's Shek Check, how are you taking pride in who you are? Not what you have, not what you do, but who you are and who you have become with your own history of self. And as usual, keep taking care of yourself because as long as you are taking care of you, you are also taking care of those around you. Until next time, Shek Check out. Thank you so much for listening to the Shek Check podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you listen to for your favorite podcast. All linked up on our website, www.theshekcheck.com. If you are picking up what we are laying down and want to help spread the word and live by example, leave a review and share with friends. Until next time, check yourself before you wreck yourself.